Welcome to the Fi Investors Podcast, helping you achieve financial independence through real estate investing, one episode at a time. We talk about personal finance, mindset, and real estate investing. Whether you're a rookie or looking to scale your portfolio, we're here to provide you with the tactics and actionable steps to achieve your goals. Here are your hosts, Diego Corzo and Ward Mahoney. All right. So today we have David Perret on the Fi Investor Podcast. I'm here with Ward and David. How are you guys doing? Hey, what's up, Diego? What up? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Doing great. And you are here in Austin, Texas. So very thankful that you were able to make the trip just for this podcast. That's right? it. I drove all the way down <laughs> just for this. Oh, man. This well, guy. thank you for coming down, Dave. We appreciate it. Yes. Yes. So, David, we are super excited to have you uh, share your story and, of course, see how you've been impacting the lives of many people with your brand, with your story as an investor and uh, and also for everything that you've done uh, for the U.S. as being a um, as being part of the army of the force and everything. So thank you very much for for that. We really appreciate everything. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, thank you very much. And I, I am going to go on record and say it was the Marine Corps because the Marine Corps. Uh, if go. I don't correct you, somebody who's in the Marine Corps and knows me might might hunt you down. So no, I'm perfect. just kidding. <laughs> perfect, perfect, perfect. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for your service as always. <clears throat> Yeah. Um, cool. Well, David, um, if you can, please take us back um, a bit of like, just tell us a bit of your story and uh, where you are today, a little bit of your story, and then we'll take it from there. Yeah, I'll keep it short just because I know, you know, a lot of your listeners have, have probably bumped into, you know, we've we've cross-pollinated a decent amount, right? So uh, the long short is uh, grew up homeschooled in Little Rock, wanted to get out of Arkansas, didn't really have money for school, didn't really know what to study. So I you know, the military is a great way to leave the state and country and uh, not have to pay for it and then also get money for school. And so I was like, I'm going to join the Marine Corps. And I got all my travel and adventure, traveled the world, you know, all the cool stuff. Uh, eight years later, I'm like, I'm working a ton of hours and I don't really have any money because I blew it on cars and tattoos and alcohol and taking chicks on dates and whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh I should probably figure this out. And someone handed me the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, got into reading reading about real estate, bought a duplex, lived in one half, rented the other house, half, you know, all your all your audience knows about house hacking. We all love it. I've done three house hacks now. Cool. And, uh, you know, once I moved out of that house and rented the side I'd been living in and started getting paid, it was like total proof of concept. So I went even more all in. Next property was a 10 unit and just more and more and more and more and more and it was probably five and a half years after I bought that first house that I was able to walk out of the military and not have to take a job I wouldn't say I was like a hundred percent financially free at that exact moment mm -hmm. but I mean I haven't had to take a job yet so yeah. I mean at this point I would feel pretty confident saying I am yeah yeah no that's awesome that's awesome I mean what was um so what does your portfolio look like now then I'm going to ask you a few things from the back. Yeah, it's kind of all over the place. It's uh, and I don't even actually know without like looking at my spreadsheet because uh, I've been like selling off random mm -hmm. things. And but I've got a 28 pad RV park that has a single family three, two. And then it, we built we took one of the sh uh, there was a shop that we turned into a two one. So it's got like a standalone two one three two and a 28 pad RV uh, it, on that. 
And then we've got a 40 unit hotel, which we're actually trying to sell. Uh, hotels are a little bit more uh, management intensive than the rest of the stuff that we hospitality own. is always <laughs> a little bit tougher than yeah regular stuff yeah we we uh bit off a little more than we we thought we were biting off with that but we got a you know good deal and we got it's kind of a crazy story because it was like a single direct mail piece mm-hmm. that landed that hotel two apartments a 23 and a 15 unit and a single family house and the house is what the letter was sent to and wow. we got all 79 doors for two point one three two uh mil purchase um and anyway so wow yeah it was it was kind of a crazy deal uh so we got that and then sold my 10 unit and just a bunch of random like one to four units i think i still got like 10 or 11 maybe just sold a duplex yeah i think it's 11 houses left and Two of those are duplexes and a fourplex and a try and the rest are singles. So cool. whatever that math yeah. would add up to if I took the time. So how old were you when you read Rich Dad Poor Dad? 25. 25. And you are how old now? 33. So 33. So in about eight years of you reading the book, and that's the book that changed my life as well. When I, I read it when I was 20 years old and I knew that. I needed that I wanted to build wealth in real estate by making my money work for me. Right. So then through that journey, from the moment that you read that book, right, when you when you first started getting that education and everything, how long until you bought your first duplex to house hack? You know, I really wish that I knew the exact date I read that book. Uh, Unfortunately, so someone handed me the book. It's kind of funny because they were trying to get me into Amway, actually. (laughs) And uh and they succeeded and I lasted about six weeks before realizing like, well, this ain't it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I actually still have like the original like packet and like none of it's even opened really. Um, anyway, they handed me the book and I was like, dude, I don't, I don't read like, mm-hmm. this is just, that's not me. And he's like, well, you drive a lot as a recruiter. Here's the CD. Listen mm-hmm. to it. And I was like, oh, called my bluff. Like now I have to listen to it. <laughs> And so I did, but because it was the CD and not audible, there's no date stamp Mm -hmm. for the first time I listened to it, which has always frustrated me because I wish I knew because it was actually like a really short time fuse. Like I I think it was like August, September Mm -hmm. that I listened to that book. It might've been a little earlier, but I think it was August, September and I closed December 28th. And so it was like red, rich dad, poor dad, red, uh, you know, the tax strategies book, like, mm-hmm. like three or four of the, like, you know, purple library books. Yeah. And then what I was doing is when I didn't understand a word or a term or like a, something they were talking about in the book, I would just pull up Google and I'd be like, you know, mm-hmm. what is 1031 exchange? What is, you know, whatever. And what happened was that over and over bigger pockets would pop up on mm-hmm. Google as the answer. Like there's an article. There's a thing, right? Because bigger pockets dominates the SEO. And so I'm like, oh, what is this thing? And then that led me into the book on rental property investing by Brandon and the book on no and low money down or buying properties with no and low money down. And that was like, whoa, FHA loans, Mm -hmm. whatever. Wow. Creative financing. Ooh, this is cool. And between those two books, that was like the the hook, right? Mm -hmm. And so then I was like, that's it. We're going all in. Um, buying a duplex, uh, which, yeah. So it was, I mean, it was maybe four months. I mean, yeah. it was, 
it was pretty pretty short flash to bang and my only real regret with that whole process is and we'll talk about this is twofold really one is that the lender that i went with and i'll call them out bank of little rock mortgage uh, that advertised on the radio mm-hmm. as a va you know oh we help service members and vets with their va loan uh, the lender that i used was like don't use your va loan on this you can only use it one time and this property is not very expensive save it oh man yeah wrong um and yeah, so you know. So you I, use an FHA loan. I used to an buy. FHA, okay. which isn't the end of the world, right? Mm-hmm. It was it was a seventy nine thousand nine hundred dollar duplex. So okay. like, oh wow, you know, super cheap. yeah, super cheap. Uh, it was only like a thirty. I think I was all in, including the LVP that I put into my side and paint. I was less than four grand all into that house. Wow. Yeah. That's great. So still not bad, but it cost me eighty one dollars a month in PMI that it wouldn't have cost me Got with it. the VA. And how much were you able to rent out each side? Well, one of the sides while you were living there. Yeah, the one side when I was living there was rented for four twenty five when I bought it, and then when I or four seventy five when I bought it, and when I when I got a new tenant in there was five twenty five, and then when I moved out, the side I was living in we rented for five fifty, so it was at uh, like a thousand what is whatever thousand seventy five mm-hmm. when I moved out, and then I just sold it two uh-huh. two and a half weeks ago and when i sold it it was rented for 1365 wow so. nice almost and, a one and a half percent rule yeah and what was the um what was the mortgage the piti with when i originally bought it 585 or 565 wow yeah. so you were nice. almost living for free yeah pretty close. but technically you were living by for like a hundred bucks yeah, well, and the crazy thing was that I had a lease prior to moving into that. My lease on a two-one, this was a two-one on each side. So my lease on a slightly smaller two-one apartment was five fifty a month, not including utilities. Yeah, and so pretty much the same situation, except now I own the place and mm-hmm. it's a little bit bigger, and I didn't have a dishwasher in the apartment, and I did here. Okay, the difference on the apartment would have been five eighty to five eighty five. So. For pretty much the exact same thing, I upgraded from no dishwasher to dishwasher apartment. There you go. Oh, yeah. Pretty much the exact same cost. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And and now the other person's paying almost all of it. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that's awesome. It's pretty sweet. Wow. So for for anybody here in the audience that doesn't know what uh, what house hacking is, is where you buy a property like a duplex, triplex, or quadplex. You live on one side, rent out the others, or you can buy a single family home live in one of the bedrooms and you rent out the others. The great yeah. part about that is that the tenants basically pay for most, if not all of your mortgage, and then you are reducing your living expenses, which for anybody um, that wants to achieve a level of financial independence, erasing or basically paying as little as possible on your living expenses helps you and it goes a long way. Yeah. Oh, and I didn't even mention thing two that I messed up when buying that. I said the VA thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, thing two was I should have gone bigger. I, I was scared, mm. not scared, but I was like, ah, oh, you know, I think this is going to work. But what if it doesn't? So mm. I was like, yeah, this duplex, this duplex seems like it'll work. It's great. Yes. Uh, but it was like a cheap duplex on like the side of town. It was like a, a B, B minus class duplex. Not a bad property. Yeah. Not a bad buy. Turned out great. No complaints. I should have bought an A-class fourplex with that FHA loan. What what makes you say that? Well, how often do you get to go such a low down payment fixed rate for 30 years? There you Mm -hmm. go. And over the last, I mean, hindsight's 2020, but over 
seven years, eight years of holding onto a property, even if the market had gone down over yeah. eight years, normally you're going to come out on top, you know, even if there'd been a downturn in there somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so just, you know, three, three tenants paying you is better than one and mm -hmm. four people paying you once you move out is better than two. And the 200,000 rather than 100,000 appreciating over time on the bank's dollar wins. The appreciation, and, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, especially if you're using other people's money to be able to make it happen, right? You're using the bank's money yeah. to be able to grow that net worth and that, that appreciation. Um, so then you mentioned that, so what happens next? You bought that property, you um did you buy a second duplex or or did you go straight into the 10 unit like you mentioned well we bought five acres but that was i don't really consider that to be an investment that was mm -hmm. more of a like can we make this work because like we owned a house my wife's primary we got married after buying the i bought this the duplex her primary uh the guy behind her had 10 acres and we always told him like hey if you ever move we want the five in the middle um, we want you to split your lot because it was two separate lots. And he's like, ah, I'm never going to move. Like a year later, he got, you know, a job offer and took mm -hmm. it. So we're like, we want that. And so <laughs> uh, not necessarily an investment, but we yeah. have some cows. And so we were like, hey, if Ooh. we take our five cows and make them 10, then the cows will pay for this other five. And so I always joke about like cattle financing. <laughs> it's not not really a thing, but, you know selling the cows has managed to pay for that back five. So mm -hmm. while it wasn't necessarily an investment, it's pretty much been a break even to own the back five. So that was technically the second investment. And, you know, I mean, not an investment, but we bought it for 40 and it's worth 75 now. So whatever. It's pretty good. Um, doesn't cash flow, but hey, you know. Yeah. Um, and then the actual next investment was, yeah, it was a 10 unit. And nice. that was kind of by accident. Mm -hmm. uh, I was mailing duplexes. I was in Hawaii. I was handwriting because I hated my life, I guess. Uh, yellow legal pads. I remember I was on 24 hour. We have this thing called duty in the military, which is basically like, um, imagine if you just hated yourself and you were like, I think what would be fun today is if I sat at the desk and I sat there for 24 hours and I said, uh, I'm not going to watch TV. I'm not going to use my phone and I'm going to wear this armband and carry a pistol and be really angry. And my only thing I'm going to do today is answer the phone if someone calls. And if someone gets the DUI, I'll go bail them out of jail. And I'm basically phone watch in case something goes wrong with mm -hmm. the unit. It's pretty much what duty is. You just like make sure that someone has to do it all the time. And you're basically like the guy who makes sure nothing goes wrong. Got it. Yeah, gotcha. it's terrible. Uh, <laughs> nobody enjoys it. And you always somehow seem to have duty on like your birthday or like the 4th of July or mm -hmm. Christmas is like the running joke. They're like, oh, dude, you're leaving the unit. You're going to a new unit. Christmas. Oh, man. <laughs> so anyway, um, but I had duty. And so I was like, well, I got this list of a bunch of homes I'm interested in. I just had a yellow legal pad. I wrote 118 letters by hand over 24 hours wow. and I was miserable. And then I sent them all out and I was like, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> and I got a couple phone calls. I was like, oh, maybe it I'll worked. do this again. I never did it again. I bought them after that. <laughs> but Smart. one of them though called me and was like, I don't want to sell you my 10 unit, but, or my, my duplex, but I have a 10 unit that I'd be interested in selling you. And I remember being like terrified about that answer. I'm mm -hmm. like, whoa. 
oh, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Like, like, I'm like, what, what do I tell this guy? Like, uh-huh. you know, it's like, I, I can't, uh, oh, oh yeah. <clears throat> I guess I'm like, I know what I'm doing. Like, oh uh, yeah, sure. What can you send me the info? And, uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Anyway, you know, so it worked out though. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he actually carried a second for 10%. And so I ended up putting only 5% down. I put $10,990.67 or something like that down. Wow. And uh, how much was it? 212.5 by the time we were all done. It was 240 Dang. and then it was 225. And then with the inspections, we got it down to 212.5. Wow. And the bank like missed the memo that we dropped from 225 to 212.5. So they showed up with the 80% loan to value for the 225. And they were basically like, well, we can either go back to the drawing board and rework the paperwork and close next week or you can just bring less to closing i was like yes i'll bring less to there we go. i like that yeah for so sure. it ended up being 85 percent bank 10 percent seller and five percent out of my pocket wow Ooh, that is awesome yeah. what were okay so i want to ask you two things what was the thing that made you like after reading rich that poor dad what made you take action so fast because i know that there are some people that maybe have read rich that poor dad or maybe have read uh, different books, listen to podcasts like these, watch YouTube videos, but they're like, you know what, I'm gonna wait, or I'm not ready yet, and they get stuck in analysis paralysis. Is, is your podcast explicit? Have you decided yet? We'll find out. Okay. You're good to say whatever you want. I'm, I'm a little bit little bit too much of a fuck it type uh-huh. of guy, so uh, that was part of it. <laughs> I would say YOLO, like but it. same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm, I'm just a little bit too much of a like, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which, you know, obviously there's a lot of worse that could happen. But mm-hmm. yeah. I kind of looked at like the pros and cons. It was like, eh. Um, and it just so happened that I probably would have waited at least a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. But my lease was up in December on that apartment. Ah, and so I was like, okay. so it was like, the I was like, I, and I knew that I was going to be. I didn't know that I was going to be moving in six months because mm-hmm. that would be wrong. Um, so, I, so I knew that, and, and that's actually true. So I was trying to become a career recruiter. So I was mm-hmm. on recruiting duty and I had tried to become a career recruiter because I was doing really well on recruiting duty. I liked it. My wife was out or soon to be wife was uh, out there and I wanted to stay. But the problem is that to become a career recruiter, you have to be a staff sergeant. And I was only a sergeant. I hadn't been promoted. And I was supposed to be getting put up for meritorious promotion because I was like the staffing CIC of the year or whatever. I was Ironically, I was the – this is kind of like – man, we'll try to keep this short because not all – no one else is going to like understand all the speak unless you've got recruiters on the call. But uh, I was not a high enough rank – to be worthy of being selected as a professional recruiter for the Marine Corps. Mm. But I was, so I was too low of a rank to be the career recruiter designation, but yet I was the career recruiter billet, like staff in CYC of the year for the state that year. Mm. (laughs) So I ran circles around everyone who was a career recruiter that year, but because they lost my package Mm -hmm. for the meritorious promotion to that rank, they were like, well, shoot, man. Uh, sorry, nothing we can do. You got to you gotta leave. And so I was yeah. hoping that I was going to get to stay out there and extend, mm-hmm. uh, but I wasn't 100% sure. So I knew that that was a chance. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, if I don't buy this house right now when this lease is up, then if I don't get to extend, 
I'm going to get orders somewhere else and, you and I don't know. know if I'm going to be able to buy a house. There. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome yeah. that you were able to pull that trigger yeah. to be able to do it. So, and I'm glad that it worked out because I got yeah. orders to Hawaii and by the, when then I went there, like the VA loan still had a limit and there was no way I would have been able to buy it in Kailua. Yeah. Yeah. So, that would have been too hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We tried. And, and then what got you then? Because for some people too, because like the way that you did it is, is, is great because you read the book bought a duplex and then went into multifamily. And I know you shared a little bit of like, you're like, all right, okay, I'm just going to go for it. Uh, but what were your, what was your thought process of going from just a duplex into multifamily when there is like, at first that you had any doubts and also what were the lessons that you learned after buying that 10 unit? Yeah. So I had all kinds of doubts and luckily, you know, people talk about mentors all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. And I actually have a kind of a weird view on mentorship because I never wanted to be that guy who was like, Ward, will you be my mentor? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How can I add value to you? Yeah. Please, please be my mentor, please, please. <laughs> like I never wanted to be that guy. And so I've never done that, mm-hmm. right? Unless I'm paying, like, will you mm-hmm. coach me? Um, but what I have done is I've built relationships mm-hmm. at least to a point where I feel comfortable that I can say, hey, dude, you're the guy who's really good at funnels can you help me with this one thing? Or what do you think about this one question? Right. Yeah. And I, but at the same time, like I fostered that relationship enough that like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to give back and and whatever. So I've got people that I wouldn't necessarily call a mentor or my mentor, but are capable of mentoring in a specific niche. And, and it's just through fostering real relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Cause that's the right way I think to do things is building relationships and not, you know, being an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, an asshole. I like that. I haven't heard that. Oh, I think that's a Tim Road thing originally. Yeah, yeah. I use it all the time. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so luckily enough, I had a few different people that I could kind of bounce this 10 unit off. Mm-hmm. And I didn't ever want to be like, hey, here's sheets and sheets and sheets of numbers. Can you run mm-hmm. this deal and tell me what you think? So I would just be like, okay, here's whatever you might want to see, but here's what I came up with do you see any major red flags with my numbers, like my outcome? And I was like, if four or five people who own a bunch of real estate look at this Mm -hmm. and none of them see any, like anything major that I missed right off the bat, then I'm probably okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it just so happened, lucky enough that one of those happened to be Brandon Turner because he was out in uh, Oahu at a, you know, hosting a networking thing around this time. So it's kind of small world. So how long ago was this then? 2017. Okay. Got it. Or, might have even been 18, actually. No, no, 18 was the next time he came out. Yeah. Yeah. Early, well, if Brandon Turner 17. says it's a good deal. Well, <laughs> yeah, I don't know that he said that, but he didn't He didn't say, ooh. <laughs> so, yeah. you, you know, go. good enough for me, right? So, I mean, you know, the long story short, right? I, I asked a couple of people. <clears throat> none of them saw anything major that was wrong with it. And between that and having run enough numbers and knowing that I was going to be able to get into the thing for fairly low down and I felt fairly confident. And then the other thing was like, it needed some work for sure. It wasn't, it was like a D. I mean, this was not a nice 10 unit. If you couldn't tell by the purchase price, you know, <laughs> 20, 20, 21 to a door. Uh, but, you know, it was rented for 4,200 gross. So I was like, eh, it's, you know, almost a 2%. Yeah. Like, I think it'll be okay. Take the deal. Yeah. So we, and we figured it out. So you bought that property and um, you you were mentioning that you bought it and it was making around 
or just a little bit over four thousand dollars a month so yep. it was around the two percent rule which is amazing if you think about it but of course like you mentioned it may be in a rougher area yep. but at least you you took action yep. right and you say you sold it so tell us a little bit um so you bought it how much did you sell it for and what did you do with the money did you do a 1031 exchange what did you end up doing yeah so we bought it for the 212 mm -hmm. 10.9 in ish right uh sold it for 340 okay 4 years to the day later and when we sold it it was grossing 48 a month so 600 a month more not a huge difference realistically i didn't put that much into it like i didn't do a full reno on this thing i painted the exterior redid like the siding and or like the fascia uh, or fascia however you say that stupid word I've, never, <laughs> I've been investing for eight years and still haven't figured out every contractor says it differently and it sounds like a dirty word to me um <laughs> uh you know got rid of a whole bunch of trash every time the neighbors thought that my Tenued it was a dumping ground, scared a couple tenants. Mm -hmm. Like there was one tenant that my property managers were like terrified of. And Missouri is a constitutional carry state, just like a lot of other states are uh, now. And so, I mean, I have concealed and, you know, all the other normal stuff. So normally I, if I am carrying a firearm, you would never know mm -hmm. unless my property managers are like, please go collect rent from this guy because none of my employees will go do it anymore. And you just Damn. show up with a really large pistol oh, hanging man. off of your hip. And I'm not like the smallest looking individual in the world. <laughs> mm -hmm. I wasn't like rude at all, but I was basically just like, hey, uh, I'm here to collect rent. And I'm really hoping that like I introduced myself and told him what I used to do for a living. <laughs> it was like, you know, I'm just hoping that like you don't make me as the owner have to come by and never collect rent again because I pay a property manager for a reason. Mm -hmm. And I would like to think that you can be polite to them because, you know, I've never had another problem. Like, That's very good. funny because I'm like, I don't, I guess the message got across, but like, it's like the first time I've ever wandered around with, I, I have like this full size, like 45. Wow. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I don't really feel comfortable carrying this around in public, but message received i guess so yeah <laughs> my property manager was like what did you do i was like i, I just talked to him she's like i don't want to know it's like, oh, man. <laughs> so there were some some definite things with that property that were like eh, a little sketchy mm -hmm. you know it was one of the it was a, a true case of like when you don't have capital yeah and you you know don't have you know it, you have time and you have effort like you buy crappy properties that you're okay with dealing with. Mm -hmm. And then as you start to get to where we are in life, not that we've made it per se, but it's like my time is more valuable and I don't want to put all the effort into showing up at properties. Then it's time to cut ties. Mm -hmm, so yeah. that property was cash flowing. It wasn't a terrible property. It was, it had its headaches, mm -hmm. absolutely headaches, but it cash flowed. And I netted, you know, what a, a 12 or 13 X return in four years on it. Mm -hmm. And it cash flowed year, you know, every year, not every month, but every year. And uh, it was a great property. Uh, to answer your question, though, I had refied uh, about two and a half years in. And when I refied, I pulled 70 or 80. 
65 or 75 out, I guess. And I used that money as a large part of what I bought the hotel and two apartments with. Mm -hmm. And then when I actually sold it for that 340, I had thought about doing a 1031, but I just cashed it out and threw the money into some operation stuff within the business. Okay. Uh, You know, yeah, I like the whole 1031 thing, but it's funny because every time I sell a property, people are like, what are you 1031ing into? And the last two or three times I've sold a property, I'm like, nothing. And people are like, taxes. And I'm like, okay, two things. One, cost segregation study. Don't have to 1031 to not pay taxes. Two, if it was a duplex that I owned for two of the last five years as a primary, also don't have to pay taxes without a 1031. Mm -hmm. Three, paying taxes is not the worst thing in the world because sometimes like just taking the cash and using it for something yeah. is nice. Exactly. You know? like, it's nice to roll cash into the next property. Don't get me wrong. But every now and then like, you know, paying off some debt or a line of credit or buying a car or like, mm-hmm. it's okay every now and then to enjoy, like let's say I sell five properties in a year. Maybe I don't want to buy five. Maybe I want to buy four and ball out. You know, like with one yeah. of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, for sure. There's nothing wrong with paying a little taxes and enjoying the fruits of some of that labor. Yeah. So no. And so for for the audience here too, uh, a cost segregation is when you buy a property and you do a cost segregation study and uh, you basically take the depreciation, the bonus depreciation up front in like from instead of depreciating the property, if it's residential 27 and a half years, you would just depreciate the property in um, in like one to five years, but you take most of it in year one. Uh, This way you don't pay taxes on the first year as much, right? And then the 1031 exchange to just to explain it is um, where you buy, if you sell a property, the proceeds, you would potentially have to pay taxes on that. So you have 45 days to identify a list of some properties and then uh, six around 180 days to close on that property um, and it has to be like kind. So there's going to be a lot more information on that in the future, but that's, that's what it is. And I got, I I got one, one question here for you too, because I know a lot of our audience members, especially right now are kind of residential and they, they're aware of commercial. What are two different or two or three different things that you've learned going from residential to commercial? Uh, Residential lending is the worst. That's one commercial lending is awesome. Like, especially if you've got a good lender. Uh, mm. Like I have a portfolio lender, yeah. like my local guy's portfolio. And I've literally closed on properties before where they're like, hey, just remember to get us your tax return sometime. Mm-hmm. Like, whereas like if you're closing a primary residence, especially, but even with investment properties that are conventional, they're still way stricter. But if you're closing a primary residence, it's like, dude, we heard you peed. In, in the neighbor's house once we're gonna need that neighbor we need to get that to, evidence we need that bank statement from your neighbor verifying that their credit is good enough to have allowed you to use their restroom yeah like exactly i mean you do need to provide a lot <laughs> of different documents yeah. to be able to do that now the the on the residential side they look more at your income like your personal income your personal taxes your debt to income ratio all of that stuff but on the commercial side of course is more just based on the property the yeah. the net operating income of the property right. and and then the value of it comes from the gross income and all and yep all of that stuff. So that's why it's easier. Sometimes it's because they're looking at numbers on the commercial side 
that is on the property rather than numbers on your bank account and confirming every bank statement that you've had for the last like maybe like two or three months but the items and why did you spend this or if you have like two thousand dollars that came into your bank account now you have to explain why is there's two thousand dollars and not just your income from your work so so yeah it can get a little bit um it's a little bit more complicated than the commercial side oh sure for sure yeah and the more the more volume you do on the commercial side the more likely the bank is to just go yeah you've already got this much in Mm -hmm. mortgages with us and you're covering it so like we trust you and your current notes we know will cover this property and Mm -hmm. like and then you know transactions on the commercial side are more logical less emotional so it's all kind of fact and numbers based rather than you know emotion based like you're you know, you're not dealing with when I mean, you're buying residential houses or selling residential houses or mm-hmm. or even rental properties. Yeah. Uh, you're still dealing with like issues of, you know, the the carpet or the this or the well, we wanted the dishwasher or we said we wanted to keep, you know, like I've had houses I bought where I'm negotiating like and this is actually kind of cool, but like negotiating, you know, I want to keep the gun safe or whatever, like, yeah. it, and it mm-hmm. worked, you know, but on commercial stuff, it's literally like, yeah, do you die? I don't care. Like, just make sure that stuff's still working when we buy it. Like, yeah, it's just much less, you know, there's not like the emotional piece where it's like, oh, but this is our house. And mm-hmm. like, yeah. let me introduce you to Jorge and Amy and their great tenants. And let me tell you about them and all their life story. And we know their credit's terrible and they don't always pay on time, but you know, and Mm -hmm. we haven't increased their (laughs) rent in 27 years and they've got seven cats and dude, we went to sell a house here that this is terrible. Uh, I probably shouldn't actually say this on recording. (laughs) We bought a house sight unseen. Great deal. Actually we bought, it was four houses, five units Mm -hmm. and the duplex hadn't had a vacancy since we bought it two years ago. Right. We bought it sight unseen. Both at the time we bought it, we both lived in San Diego. Duplex had never had a vacancy. Rented for twelve fifty, thirteen hundred. Well, it was like eleven fifty when we bought it. It's all the way up to like thirteen fifty. So they've been increasing awesome. rent and they've been taking it. We bought the portfolio of five units for two hundred. And we sold one of them for thirty. We already cashed out a hundred grand in refis. Okay. Um, all this stuff. So like we're not good, hurting, yeah, right? Yeah, it's it's cash good. flow and like, we're whatever, we're about to sell one. Like, but we were going to sell it all, the rest of it. And we're like, the one duplex will sell for 240 in that neighborhood. And it's a brick duplex. So like the exterior is good. The roof looks good. We're like, whatever, all day, easy. And so we get it under contract. None of us have ever been in this house. Property managers never been in this house. We've had it for two and a half years. Oh man. Agent walks through and he calls me and he's like, bro, Worst house I've ever been in. Oh, and no. I'm like, oh boy. He's like, so the back of the house, the back of the roof does not look like the front of the roof for starters. He's like, it is just pouring into your house. I'm like, oh, great. And he's like, the tenant's super proud because he's like, yeah, you know, I've never called the property manager. They don't have to come out and bug me. So you're, you know, you don't have to pay for any repairs and they don't bug me. So it's like a great relationship. And I'm like, oh, perfect. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> and he's like, there's seven cats in there. I'm like, oh, cool. He's like, yeah, well, the best part is he was introducing me to the cats as he's showing me around and he could only find six. He's like, the seventh one was dead under the bed. Oh my God. And not like freshly dead. I'm like, oh God. 
<laughs> so I'm like we're like under con- he's like yeah so needless to say you're not under contract anymore i'm like oh oh wow oh, no. so you know things don't always go great in real estate but, yes you know so but uh but the other funny thing though is like now i'm kind of torn because i'm like well we fell out of contract the guy doesn't want to move he still wants to keep paying rent and he doesn't want us to go repair anything. And I'm like, hmm. the duplex still cash flows $400 a month and he doesn't want me to fix anything. There you go. And I'm like, man, it's going to have to be a gut job now anyway. Mm-hmm. It's like, is it wrong to just let it keep being in need of being a gut job? Like I don't know how long he's going to live there. But so I, eventually we're going to have to fix this thing. But I'm like, oh, my God, man. Anyway, I don't know how we got on that tangent. No, no, no. Oh, good. Something about cats. Maybe. It's a good lesson. And like, oh, just to God. talk a little bit more on the commercial side, too. So you still kept like the um, the portfolio that you bought with the hotel. You still kept the um, the other multifamily units. And you you have property management company and everything, right? How many doors are you up to now then? Uh, If you count the RV park, it's somewhere around like 130, 140. 130, 140. Okay, awesome. And what's what's really cool too, though, is that you have your properties, but you also have your brand called From Military to Millionaire. Uh, Would you be able to share a little bit about that? And also, how how did that get started? And how have you been helping other people get... um, go from military to millionaire. Yeah. In 2018, I, uh, you know, our mutual friend Brandon was over at my house, uh, in Oahu. We were, they, they were over for dinner. We were hanging out and I asked him, you know, I was like, dude, I want to write a book sometime. And not about real estate, just like about, uh, my time in Afghanistan. Cause you know, all these seals write books. And I was like, but what about like the normal dude? I was like, I have a, a journal, like a diary and a mission log. And I have all these stupid, like funny stories of like the stuff we did. Like we did some cool stuff, but like nothing like that. And I'm like a truck driver, you know, but I was like the lead Vic on deployment. So I'm like, we have some cool stories, but it's like, it'd be cool to do like a, what's the normal guy do on deployment? And his answer was that I should start a blog and just learn to write. And, you know, maybe I'd get a little bit of a voice out there. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's cool. What should I write about? I don't know what to like, what would I blog about? I don't know. He's like, I don't know, man, you're doing real estate. Just like document your journey as a military dude buying real estate. Okay. That sounds cool. And so I kind of just started that. I didn't even come up with the name. One mm-hmm. of my friends came up with the name, uh, military millionaire. And and then that website was already bought. So we were like from military to millionaire. That's mm-hmm. about the journey. Cool. And it just started as documenting the journey. And then over time it was like, people would ask questions and I would go and do research and try to answer their question in a blog post. And then that just slowly trans, it just kind of slowly morphed over like the first year or two from like purely documenting what I was learning to answering some people's questions to becoming kind of a voice to like, Oh shit, I need to like actually take this seriously because people are like looking up to my platform yeah. mm-hmm. and then in like 2020 it was like the facebook group just kind of started to whoop, and i was like oh god uh-huh. um and then that was kind of when i was like oh this is i should take this seriously and then 21 and 22 i was like yeah oh man and yeah because yeah, now it's i met you at fincon yeah. back in 2019 uh, DC, right? right in dc 
yeah, I met you at FinCon and that's all about like helping you um, continue to build your 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 brand and masterminding on on how to uh, on how to improve it, but also uh, talking about like masterminds, blogs, podcasts, all all about that stuff. Um, yes, yeah, so that was a lot of fun there. And so then, what are you seeing? Like, what are the goals with with your brand now? And um, like, where where do you see yourself going in the education space? Yeah, uh, those are all the questions I'm trying to find my find out uh, the answers to. You know, the, my biggest thing right now is just working on. You know, we we both have a mastermind group, and uh, that's been the most fulfilling thing that I've worked on recently. And so I'm really just thinking that's where I need to kind of focus on. Uh, you know, I've got a lot of things that I work on, a lot of things that I'm messing with, and the more that I dabble on various things, the more I'm like, and the masterminds are really kind of where I feel is like the the it. Uh, yeah the most fulfilling and the most rewarding and it's the thing that people come back to me and say like this is awesome dude like blah 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 and so i i want to go much more all in on that and probably my podcast and then you know there's a couple different other like avenues that i dabble in here and there but Mm -hmm. i don't know and then it's kind of weird because like in the real estate journey i've really slowed down you know, I had a wholesaling company that I sold it because it was just way too active. Uh, we did six, 16 deals and or we did uh, like 20, I don't, I don't know. Over the last like two and a half years, we did like 50 deals wholesaling. And then nice. I just kind of got, I was super burnt out on it. I was like, eh. Um, and so now I'm like, okay, what's the pivot there? Like we, we just fell out of contract. We were about to buy a mobile home park, but we, uh, there were just some big city septic issues that we weren't going to be able to get through that just torpedo the deal. And so trying to buy some bigger things or get into development, mm-hmm. uh, cause that's kind of exciting and just haven't really found what the next, I know it's not renovating small houses. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't mind that if it's a good deal, but it's just not exciting. And I know it's not being the operator of the deals. So trying to find the next real estate thing, but on the brand side, I think it's really just focusing in on the content and the mastermind. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Because yeah. we were talking at lunch, you, you've broken officially 200 members, right, at this point? Just over 210, yeah. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. That's exciting. That is awesome. Yes. Congrats. Yeah. Congrats on that. Thanks. So then what would you tell somebody, for example, that's looking to get started um, They and they want to use their VA loan? Can you just share a little bit of like why the VA loan is so it's so good to get started investing in real estate and, uh, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the VA loan too is also a great idea, uh, to be able to like, let's say that you're deployed somewhere, right? You can still buy there. Then you, like with you, you went to San Diego, maybe you could have bought a home in San Diego and then you, you go to Oahu, then you can buy a house there too and so forth. But what are the benefits, uh, for, for somebody to, to be able to get started in real estate with a VA loan? Yeah. I mean, right now, right. Like we talked about last night, um, you know, currently everyone's freaking out about this whole, they're making it so political and they're like, Biden's trying to torpedo the market by raising rates on people with good credit, which is totally not how that's actually working. Uh, cause it's not even him. It's Fannie and Freddie are increasing the fees on the most pop, like the most common buyer in order to bolster their reserves going into recession, which honestly makes sense because like they need to bolster their reserves for a recession 
And the best way to do that is to go, they have to use some kind of a formula because if they just blanket made an exorbitant amount of fees for every home buyer, they would shut the whole market down. So they got to target someone. And so why not go for the person who can actually afford to pay the fees, right? And that just comes out to the person who can pay 20% and has a good credit score. Sorry, it is what it is. But it's just, anyway. So we don't need to get down that rabbit hole. But lucky enough, that's not Ginny Mae. That's Fannie and Freddie. So FHA, VA, and USDA doesn't apply. So there's one reason the VA is better. Um, But, I mean, the real thing, dude, is like, so here's the biggest thing with the VA. Almost any time a lender tells you no with the VA, it's just because their bank won't or they don't understand. The VA itself has the loosest guidelines in the world. It's amazing. Like there's no credit score requirement for the VA. There's no debt to income requirement for the VA. So like any other loan, 49% and you're done. If you hit the 50% DTI, nope, sorry, buddy, doesn't matter. My roommate, John, uh, back in the day when he was my roommate, Closed a 78% debt to income ratio on a duplex wow. in Venice Beach, California on an active duty dude. What like was the value of that? 1.93. Wow. That's a jumbo loan. Wow, that's that's crazy. Zero down. Wow. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. And you can go 4% seller credit on mm-hmm. closing costs. So the dude didn't come out of pocket for closing costs. And by the way, he closed that in 2020 on a 2.25 interest rate fixed for 30 years. Oh, and by the way, what do you think Venice Beach, you know, Santa Monica area, L.A. County has done since 2020? Mm-hmm. Think that guy's hurting on equity right now? No, no. <laughs> he's doing yeah, that dude's well. up over a half a million. I was talking to him the other day. He's an agent now. And he's like, yeah, man, I'm I'm pretty much living for free in a house where I've got over, a, you know, over a half a million dollars in equity. I'm like, wow. yeah, all you have to do is make your mortgage for the next 30 years and you're going to be worth like five million bucks. That's amazing. If not more. <laughs> That's amazing. So one question about the VA loan. Um, can you reuse it? Can you refinance into another loan and then reuse your VA? Yeah. So and you don't even have to do that, uh, depending on remaining entitlement. So I have, I, I, our buddy Naaman has, Naaman ha- Taylor. Yeah. At one point had four VA loans out at the same time. Wow. So as long as you don't tap your maximum entitlement, you can have multiple out at the same time. Okay. Once you've capped your entitlement for that county, depending on what county you're in at the time that you're buying, um, because the, the first purchase, no limit. But once you go to your second purchase, whatever that county limit is, and your first purchase minus your county loan limit minus first purchase, you know, all those weird entitlement math. Uh, once you cap that, then you would either have to refi or sell out of the first one and do a one-time restoration of benefit, and then you could go again. Um, we were just talking about this at dinner too. I know someone who's bought a two and a half million dollar house zero down with the VA. Wow. Uh, and then that one point nine three. You know someone who's gone two point two. Like it's totally doable. Um, but then I know someone who's done. I think six is the most I've ever heard of someone buying with the VA. Wow. Yeah, which is. You know, that takes a lot of work because you got to like, got to, you know, have the intent to live in it. So that's like over 20 years, you like buy two or three years later, you move somewhere else, buy two or three years later, you get stationed somewhere else, buy. I mean, it can't just be like buy a house, move down the street six months later, right? It's got to be like actually moving duty stations, but it's doable for sure. And you don't have to refinance. Not necessarily, depending on that's, entitlement. Yeah, that's yeah. very cool. That's one of the coolest ways for somebody that is in the military to build a real estate portfolio. 
um, because then this means that every time that they do go, that they get deployed or they have to move somewhere else, they can still be able to buy a property and leave their first one as a rental, let's, let's say, or their second one as a rental and then just get another property. Yeah, so absolutely. that's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. Tons of super cool benefits. Yeah. Yeah. So then um, where can people download your book or where can people learn more about you and uh, potentially ask you questions? You ready for this, Ward? You're going to love this. As Let's a hear it, man. Guy. I'm ready. <laughs> you want to download my book? You can go to thebestpodcastguest.com. Mm. Yeah, you like that. The best thebestpodcastguest.com. Such, such a wonderful domain. Uh, but that page actually... Uh, you can download my book, the PDF, for free, uh, but then it's got links to all my socials. Uh, and that was, uh, I realized I was just pitching for like the longest time. It was like, oh, just follow me on Instagram. And I was like, that's the worst like ending to a podcast ever. I've been on like over a hundred podcasts got that as the ending. Like, yeah, man, mm -hmm. you can check my book out on Amazon or you can go to Instagram. And I was like, why is nobody following me? <laughs> and I was like, cause that's not remember, like nobody can remember that. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, the, the best podcast guest.com. You can download my book for free. You can download it and send it to a friend. I don't care. Um, and then you can add me on all the socials there. You can join the Facebook group, which really, if we're being honest, it's like yeah. the, the most valuable piece of the community, uh, bar none, you know, except for the actual mastermind is the free Facebook group because it's, there's almost 60,000 people in there and it's just a community of people asking questions and it's totally free. So that's awesome. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you, David, for being here, for sharing a, a bit of your story, uh, how you've grown your portfolio, and, and also sharing us a little bit more about the VA loan, because I know that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to take this value and take action, which is, which is the goal. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Awesome. Thanks, times. David. Thanks for coming on. Of course. Thank you for listening to the Fi Investors Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And share this with a fellow real estate investor who you think would find value in what we do. Until next time.